Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, this morning we're going to be talking about what would Jesus want for Christmas if it's his birthday and it's not our birthday, what would he want for Christmas? And we're going to be talking about one of the things that he would want is for us to wage peace. And we're going to be talking about peace and what peace is and how Jesus brings peace in our lives and how we need to be fighting and waging peace across our world. So I'm going to tell you a story here that shows what kind of a peacemaker I am, okay? Because I go out of my way to make peace, okay? So, so this is a story that illustrates that perfectly. When I was in college, uh, they didn't have all of the parking garages and everything that they did now. As a matter of fact, it was almost impossible to park on campus. And you had to cross the railroad track and go over to gravel lots and park up and down the streets, and, and it was just a mess. And so to because they only had a few spots, the, they made sure you parked directly in the spot. If you even had one part of a tire, you got a ticket because they wanted to get every car they could in every spot. And so everybody on campus was always mad because they were always getting tickets for having tires just a little bit on the line. And one day I got a ticket for having my tire on the line. And I was so mad and I was going to go tell them off and I go in and I'm waiting in line. I've got my ticket. I can't wait to tell them what I think. And the guy in front of me gets up and he looks at the girl taking the tickets and the money and he starts cussing at her and yelling at her and then he throws his money at her and he walks off and then she looks up at me and she starts crying and she said this is just a campus job and everybody's been cussing me out all day long and I said what's wrong with those people I can't believe anybody would act that way because I go out of my way to wage peace well, we're going to look over into Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to actually start at the very last sentence of Isaiah chapter 8. And we're going to see what Jesus, uh, the coming of the Messiah, has to do with peace and waging peace and what real peace really is. So let's all go, look over. We're starting Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22. Isaiah 8, verse 20, 22. And the first thing we see is this. Real peace is more than the absence of war. It's the restoration of what's been lost. It's more than the absence of war. It's a restoring of something that's been lost. That's what true peace is. Now, when we think of peace, we use the words all the time. We say, well, you know, uh, we give the peace sign. We talk about peace frogs. We talk about peace treaties. Uh, We talk about peace all the time. But for us, most of the time, peace means the absence of conflict. Peace means we're not currently fighting with one another. As a matter of fact, that's kind of the way Webster's Dictionary translates it. Webster says this, Peace in a general sense means freedom from disturbance in your situation. So Webster says peace is freedom from disturbance. In other words, at this very moment, we are not fighting with one another, and that's peace. Well, the biblical concept of peace is a whole lot richer, a lot deeper, and a lot more important. The biblical concept of peace has to do with restoring something that's been lost. Now, there is a Hebrew word for peace used in the Old Testament. There is a uh, Greek word for peace used in the New Testament. We're going to look at both of those this morning uh, in some of our scriptures. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom. 
And shalom means basically total wholeness in mind, body, and soul. Your mind is at at, at wholeness. Your body is whole. Your soul is whole. It means a completeness, a wholeness that's come. And so shalom can be used in a lot of different ways. So in the book of Job, when Job calls all the sheep in his flock and none are missing, that's shalom. There's wholeness. When Solomon completes the uncompleted temple, he brings completeness to it. He brings shalom to the temple. So it's a completing of something, a making whole of something, a restoring of something that's been lost. The Greek word for peace is the word arene. And arene basically has the exact same meaning as shalom uh, because the writers of the New Testament were Jews and their idea of peace was the Hebrew word shalom even though they were using the Greek word arene. So it too means completeness, making something whole, restoring something that's been lost. And I'll give you a perfect example uh, of how you can see that. Over in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4, you have the big storm when Jesus is on the lake of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care? We're about to perish. The boat's about to sink. There's a big storm. And Jesus stands up and looks at the disciples and says, why don't you have any faith? And then he walks to the end of the boat and he looks at the storm and the waves that are crashing onto the boat. And he says, Arene! Now we translate that, peace, be still. But what did the word peace really mean? It meant to restore something to its it's, it's proper state to make something whole again. So he was telling the wind and the waves and the rain, go back to the way that you should be. Restore yourself to your proper balance. I call for a rainé for this sea that is now raging. And immediately the waters got calm. So shalom, arene, is this idea of completion. It is this idea of wholeness. It's this idea of being restored to something that has been lost. So with that said now, we're going to look into our scripture passage and we're going to see what our scripture has to say about shalom and arene and this restoration of peace. And the first thing that we see is this. True peace comes only from the Messiah, Jesus. True peace comes only from the Messiah, Jesus. Now, when our scripture passage starts, the background is really important. Uh, Israel has been divided into two countries. There is the northern kingdom, which is basically apostate, and there is the southern kingdom where Jerusalem is, and they were were worshipers of of the true God. Now, the northern kingdom has got together with Syria, and they have formed an alliance, and they are looking to attack the southern kingdom. So the southern kingdom of Jerusalem is really worried now. They have two countries that have banded together. They are about to attack them, and the attacks are already taking place. They're making raids into that area of Naphtali and Zebulun, into the area of Galilee. And so those areas are really hard-pressed in Galilee right now uh, because of this alliance that's been made. And that's where our scripture picks up. And the first thing we see, true peace comes from the Messiah, Jesus. Look at verse 22 of chapter 8, and you see how, uh, how things are not in shalom. They're not in balance. They're not in wholeness at this time. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness, 
fear and gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. And so he's describing a world, okay, what's it like right now? It's gloom, it's dark, things don't look good. We have two major nations pressing down upon us, about to attack at any moment. They're already raiding uh, this area around Galilee. It's gloom, it's darkness. Everything is falling apart. And then chapter 9 starts, nevertheless... There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee by the nations, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. So the first thing he says is, okay, right now you're being humbled, but he's going to bring you honor. So you see right there, that's different than just the absence of conflict. He's not saying the enemy is just going to go away. He says you're going to go from humility to honor. That's being restored, something that has been lost. He talks also about right now, Zebulun, Naphtali, this way of Galilee. Right now, they're hard-pressed, but one day they're going to be glorified. Now, we know today that glorification came through Jesus, who that's where he grew up and where the majority of his ministry was, was in this area of Galilee. Then down to verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. So again, you're going not just from darkness, but from darkness to light. There is a restoration, a making whole, a bringing back something that has been lost. Verse 3, you've enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So you've gone from gloom and despair to utter joy. Again, something completely different. It's a turnaround. Verse 4. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, every warrior's boot used in battle, every uh, garment rode in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. So he's saying, okay, there's not only just going to be an absence of conflict, all of the weapons of war are going to be destroyed. So what we see here at the beginning is, okay, something's going to happen. A Messiah is going to come who's going to bring true shalom, the Hebrew word that is being used here. And he's going to bring restoration, a making whole, a making new of something that has been totally lost. True peace comes from Jesus, the Messiah. Now, how does that true peace come? Where do we get that true peace? I think that true peace that he's talking about here, this shalom that he's describing in Isaiah 9, it comes in four different ways in our life. And the first way that it comes is that Jesus brings peace between God and us. He brings peace between God and us. You see, things had been out of balance since the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, when mankind was kicked out of the garden and its perfection, they were kicked out for one simple reason, because of their sin. Their sin had built a wall between them and God. Their sin had separated them from God. And now there is this wall that exists between people and God because of our sin. And the Messiah that was going to come was going to bring shalom by doing something to pay for our sins and to make our sin right with God. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, Isaiah 53, verse 5, look at this closely. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
So what would this Messiah do to bring shalom? And again, what is shalom? It's not just peace. It is a restoring of something that was lost, and it was lost in the Garden of Eden. It is the restoring of a life that is out of balance, of of a relationship with God that is no longer there. And he was going to be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, wounded so that we could be healed. And why? Look at that again. So he could bring us shalom. Jesus was coming to restore all that had been lost in our relationship with God by taking our sins on him upon the cross. He is bringing true shalom to us. In the New Testament, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we have arene with God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he brought us arene. He brought us completion, wholeness. He repaired the relationship and brought us back into the kind of relationship that we were supposed to have with God. So no longer does our sin separate us from God because this Messiah that is going to come is going to tear down that wall of sin by dying on the cross to take our sins upon him. A second way that Jesus gives shalom or reine, true peace in our life, is he brings us peace in our mind and body. He brings us peace in our mind and body. Anybody here, body ever not cooperate with you? Yeah, I mean, like all the time. You know, uh, you all don't understand that yet, all the, all, the, all, the, all the youngsters over there. But when you get my age, your body doesn't always cooperate with you. You know, somebody told me the other day, I just wonder what part of my body is going to hurt when I wake up in the morning or something like that. You know, you get old, you, you get gray-haired. I will say, though, I never had a gray hair until I became pastor of this church. That's, that's literally true. Didn't have a gray hair. Of course, I've been here 15 years. But regardless... Regardless, I never had a gray hair before I came here. So our bodies get old. We get sick. Not only that, your mind plays tricks on you. Have you ever stayed up all night worrying about something? Your mind out of control or something like that. We don't have shalom. We don't have a reine in our body, in our minds. Those things are not what they were supposed to be in a true kingdom world. And in John 16, this is what Jesus says. In me, you may have a reine. In this world, you'll have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. So what Jesus said is, look, there's going to be problems. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be times that your mind and body don't cooperate with you the way that you want. You'll get sick. You'll get tired. uh, You'll be afraid of things. He says, but in me, and that's the important phrase here. He doesn't say, hey, there's peace out there in this world. Because in this world, there's never going to be true peace. But he says, even in this world... Through me, you can have a reine. You can have the completeness, the wholeness that you need that I'm trying to bring you here. So we find peace in our mind and in our body. A third thing that this Messiah does that brings us peace in our world is he brings us peace in our relationships. Peace in our relationships. Now, I guarantee you, I could take a pad and pass it through the, through the, the, the seats out there, and everybody in this room could think of somebody that you're not in a real good relationship with right now. You're either angry at them, they've done something to hurt you, you've done something to hurt them, uh, whatever. It might, be, uh, it might be your spouse, it might be your kids, it might be a brother or sister, it might be a friend, it might be somebody at work. But every person in this room can find some place in their life where they're not in the right relationship that they were supposed to have 
with somebody else. Relationships in this world are not what God intended for them to be. They break apart. We get angry. We get hurt. We get strained in those relationships. Uh, in a church I used to pastor, uh, there was a man uh, who, had, who was a retired minister. And he had a strained relationship with his daughter. And the strained relationship came for a very unusual reason. When she was in high school, she was going to get married to somebody that he didn't want her to marry. And he absolutely forbade it. But she married the guy anyway. They both finished their schooling, got good jobs, they had a family. But because she disobeyed him as a teenager, he never spoke to her again the rest of his life. And when he was having his 50th anniversary of his ministry, of his ministry, she showed up at the party at church and he got up and left the room. Now that's a relationship that is strained, not in shalom, not in arene, the way that it's supposed to be. And yet look in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, Ephesians 2 14. He himself, Jesus is talking about, is our arene. Again, this isn't a peace you can get on your own. You can't just say, thank God I'm going to be peaceful today. I'm just going to clear my mind and be peaceful. Now, that's good. Those kinds of things help. But it doesn't bring you a lasting peace. He himself is our arene. He made the true groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And again, what's the dividing wall of hostility? It's sin. Sin divided us from God. Sin is dividing us from other people. The only way that you find peace in the wall of hostility of your sin is through him. He is your arene. So it's more than just an absence of conflict. I'm not currently fighting with them. It's the restoring of something new. It's the bring back to completeness and wholeness. This is how Nelson Mandela uh, put it. I have to look around here because I can't read that small print on the back. If you want to make peace with your enemy, you have to work with your enemy. Then it becomes your partner. Do you see how that's more than the absence of conflict? It's restoring and making something completely new. It's bringing shalom. It's bringing a rain. And then there's one final reason that one final place where Jesus brings peace. And Jesus brings peace in our creation and in our world. He brings peace in our creation and in our world. This world we live in isn't the world God intended for it to be. When we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, uh, this planet is now the, not the perfect planet anymore. We have hurricanes and earthquakes and storms and, and, and all kinds of things that happen. And, and the planet is looking for redemption as much as people are. Uh, and so Jesus is going to bring creation uh, a, a sense of shalom and the entire world in which we live a sense of shalom. Look back to Isaiah chapter 9 again. Look down to verse 6. All this stuff we've been talking about, what's going to make it possible? Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Shalom. The one that's going to come is going to be the Prince of of shalom. The one that restores wholeness and balance and completeness to everything that has been lost. In the Garden of Eden, so much was lost with the fall of mankind. 
And yet the one that's going to come, this child, is going to be the prince of restoration, the prince of completeness, the prince of wholeness. He's going to bring back into balance everything that has been lost in our world. And look how complete that's going to be in verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and of shalom, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Of the greatness of his government and of shalom, there will be no end. What's he trying to say? Nothing will ever be out of balance again when he comes. He's restoring all of those things. So we've seen that the Messiah that's coming is the Prince of Shalom. The Messiah that is coming is going to bring into wholeness a world that is now totally out of whack. And that's his job. He is the Prince of Shalom. So then the question that I have is, okay, as we celebrate Christmas and as we go into this Christmas season and as we realize that Christmas isn't our birthday, Christmas is his birthday, then what do we need to be giving Jesus for his birthday? And I think one of the things as the Prince of Shalom that Jesus would want is he would want for us to wage peace. Now, we understand about waging war. We hear about waging war all the time. Countries build huge arsenals and mighty militaries so that we can protect ourselves and fight against others. This is from the last uh, Russian May Day parade as the tanks rode down the streets uh, to, to show the might of Russia. You know, we're really good at waging war. We're good at fighting war. But what if we said, okay, what I'm going to do is to spend just as much time and energy, and I'm going to fight just as hard to wage peace. I'm going to, in all these areas of my life that we just mentioned, I'm going to try to wage peace in every one of those areas of my life. I think that's the greatest gift that we could ever give to Jesus. So how do we do that? In every area I just mentioned, I I encourage you to fight, to make an effort, to go all out to wage peace. So first of all, wage peace in your relationship with God. Wage peace in your relationship with God. Now, how do you do that? Well, first of all, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if God is not in your life and you feel this is where he's leading you, then that's what you need to do. You need to stop putting off the decision. You need to actively be involved and say, this is what I believe. I believe God loves me. I believe God is real. I believe Jesus died for me. And you need to get to the point of saying, I'm going to make a commitment to him. That's the way that you can wage peace today. Because he will bring wholeness to all of those areas of your life that are out of whack right now as your Prince of Shalom. If you are already a Christian, there may be areas of your life that you look at in your relationship with God that are out of control. Maybe right now you spend every day feeling guilty about your sin. You mess up all the time. You think you're not a good person. You feel guilty all the time. And a way that you can wage peace is to realize that God loves you with a passion. He's forgiven you of all of those sins. And you don't have to fight that battle of your sin every day. You're loved and forgiven and God is with you. And he can take that guilt away that you feel he is the Prince of Shalom, 
If you are feeling guilty, that's from your enemy. It's not from God. God wants you to feel repentant and restored, not guilty all the time. Your enemy wants you hurting and down and guilty. He wants you to be convicted and changed. And a third thing you can do to wage peace in your relationship with God is, okay, you're okay. You're saved. Now it's time to start looking at others who may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and to let them know about the same wholeness and completeness and peace that they can have that you found in your life. Look at Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who preach good news, who proclaim shalom, who proclaim salvation. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim shalom. That's what we need to proclaim to people in this world. A world out of control, a world that's hurting, a world that's desperate. There's a God, a prince of shalom that loves you and wants to restore all these things that you've lost in your life. So we need to wage peace in our relationship with God. Next, we need to wage peace in our lives, with our mind and our body. We need to wage peace in our lives. Now, how do you know in your life where you're out of whack? How do you know where you need to wage peace in your life? What do you worry about? What keeps you up at night? What are the things that seem to hamper you and keep you from where you want to be? Those are areas of your life that are not in proper balance right now with you. And those are the areas you need to wage peace. Maybe it's with your finances. Uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe it's with your body, uh, your mind. Maybe you stay up all night worrying about something. And we need to be turning those things over to God and waging peace in those areas. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the God of Arene, who transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Jesus. So the next time you're up all night and you can't sleep and your mind is racing and you're afraid of things and you can't turn it off, go to these two sentences here. Don't be anxious. Pray about those things. Give those things to God. You see, when you're, when you're thinking about your problems, your problems become the biggest thing in the world. You can't get them out of your mind. A little problem can become enormous when you're worrying about it all the time because you're focusing on it, and it gets bigger and bigger. And what the Scripture says is stop focusing on the problem and start focusing on the solution, and the solution is God. So take your prayer to Him Give him what's keeping you up at night. And what's it say? And when you do that, the God of Arene, who transcends all understanding, guards your heart and your mind. Oh, my goodness, what a great, great uh, uh, thing we're being offered here. That the God of true wholeness and completeness and restoration, the God of Arene wants to transcend your heart and your mind to turn those things back over to him. Third, we need to wage peace in our relationships. Wage peace in our relationships. Get out that pad again and write down, okay, who are the people I'm not in good relationship right now? Well, where, where's, where's my relationships out of whack right now? Who am I angry at? Who's angry with me? And then look at Ephesians 4.3. Ephesians 4.3. 
Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of Irene. Make every effort. Wage peace. In your relationships, you be the peacemaker. You know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, blessed are the Irene makers. Blessed are the peacemakers. But it's more than the absence of conflict. Blessed are the Irene makers. Blessed are the people who restore to wholeness and completeness relationships that have been destroyed. Make every effort. Wage peace in your relationships. Now, the simple fact of the matter is you have relationships that, that are two-way streets. And you can, be, you can be kind to people. You can, go, you can be forgiving. You can go out of your way. And they can still slap you right back in the face. But your job is to make every effort on your part. You have no control over what other people do or how other people react. You do have control over what you do and how you react. And your job is to wage peace in your relationships, to make every effort to bring a rain A to all the relationships in your life. So between husband and wife, if there is conflict, if there is discord, you be the one that brings a rain aid. Don't wait for them to do it. If, if it's with your uh, uh, parent and the children, don't wait for the other party to decide it's the thing to do. You're the one that does that. In your friendships, uh, if you've got friends that you're estranged from, that things have happened, don't wait for them to do something. You be the one that makes every effort to wage a rain aid. What about at work? You go to work and there's people you just don't like and you don't want to be around and they irritate you. You be the one to bring a rain a, even in your workplace. Make every effort to wage peace. What if everybody did that? What if our, our, one of our main goals in every relationship, people we just encounter on the street, is to make a rain a, is to try to bring a wholeness to any situation that you were in at that time? That brings us to the last thing that we see. Finally, we need to wage peace in our world. We need to wage peace in our world. When Jesus came over in Luke chapter 4, he went to his hometown and he read this scripture from the book of Isaiah. And he said this was the reason he'd come. And look at the scripture. Why did Jesus come? Think about Irene. Think about Shalom. Think about waging peace in our world. Jesus said, this is why I came. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came to bring shalom. He came to restore everything that had been lost in the Garden of Eden. Jesus did a whole lot more than die on the cross to forgive you of your sins. His job was to bring together everything lost in the fall and to restore it to completeness once again. So we need to be waging peace in our world. As you go through your everyday life, what are the areas where there is conflict and hate and prejudice and discouragement and hurt and guilt And your job is to wage peace in every one of those situations, just as it was Jesus' job and what he was called to do. You know, when Jesus was born, the angels couldn't contain themselves any longer, and they began to sing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, 
peace, goodwill to men. Glory to God in the highest, the angels sang. On earth, arene. Not on earth, people won't be fighting an absence of conflict. Glory to God in the highest, he's going to bring arene. Glory to God in the highest, he has come to restore everything that has been lost since the fall of mankind. Glory to God in the highest, he's come to bring arene. We need to be waging a rain in all of our life, bringing peace to people. This is a world that's never going to be absent of conflict. It's never going to be absence of hurt and pain and terrible things that happen. But in the midst of it all, you can be people that bring little glimpses of light and heaven all around you. As you build relationships and help the hurting and care for those who don't have enough. And as you do those things, you bring those little bits of arena throughout the world. What's it look like when a little piece of heaven has been brought to earth? Well, during the wildfires uh, in Southern California, you probably heard the town of Paradise, California, completely burned to the ground. Every single house and building in all of Paradise, California burned to the ground. Andrew Gully and his family barely got out with their life. But when they got out and they got to safety, they, they were worried about their dog because they couldn't find their dog when the fires broke out. Everything in the house had been destroyed. The entire town just in ashes. They went back to see what was left of their house. They went back to see if there was anything they could find at all. And this is what they saw when they came over. Their dog, Madison, waiting by the remains of their house in the ashes. And for that one brief moment, there was shalom. And for that one brief moment, there was a rain. In a world of ashes and destruction, there was hope. And that's what you're supposed to be giving. Waging peace to bring hope into a world that knows so little of it. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you so much that you give us more than the absence of conflict. You offer us true shalom. You offer to restore us to something that we've lost a long time ago. Father, help us to respond in the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation where you're being invited to what God says to you. And there's a lot of things that you can do. You, you can come and pray at this altar. You can pray right where you're standing and just say, Lord, you know, a lot of things going on in my life. I've got conflict and hurt and fears, and I just need your shalom this morning. You just turn that over to him. We've got people who love to pray for you as well if you want to come down. You can come at this time and say, I want to join this church, be a part of what this church is doing in this community, in this world, to wage peace. And I want to be a part of that. You come and you join this church. And the most important decision you could ever make is that you begin that walk of true peace with God today. And you say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Why wait? He's done all of this. He wants to give you all those things. Make this that day of your decision. I invite Hunter and Sean to come up and join me. Um, 
Hunter Fletcher is uh, letting you know that he wants, wishes to join our church by letter of transfer. Had the chance to get to know Hunter over the last uh, month and a half. He actually spent Thanksgiving with my family and still is joining. That may be the great Christmas miracle of the season. But Hunter, it's been great to get to know you and your story as a heart for missions. He's a seminary student uh, in Tennessee uh, online, but uh, will be does a lot of work in Peru. And Hunter, we're glad. Grateful you're joining the church today. Uh, we're also excited to have Sean Hefner today. He is, wants you to know that he's accepted the Lord uh, Jesus as his Lord and Savior and is going to be baptized next Sunday. Um, Sean and his brother Colin will be baptized next Sunday, so that'll be a great day. Sean, we're so proud of you making a profession of faith today that you want to follow Jesus, and we're here to celebrate you as part of your family of God. We're grateful you're here. Let's have a word of prayer. God, we know angels rejoice today as your shalom uh, is coming into Sean and to Colin's life. Lord, I pray that you bless them as you restore and make all things new. God, thank you for how you're at work, um, Father, in Hunter's life. We thank you that you're connecting our stories together. We pray your blessing be upon him as he seeks to follow you. Now, Lord, as we go out today into a world in conflict, we pray that we would bring your peace through Christ the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.